And welcome back, Bears fans. We are back again. Bears on tap. I'm here with the man himself, Juice. And we're we're coming on a Victory Tuesday. I mean, it's uh, I, I was about to say Victory Monday, and that just felt weird, Victory Tuesday. <laughs> but we are here. We are here to talk Bears. And before we got started, you know, always we do pre-show to do sound checks and all that. And just we we, we just kind of shoot the shit through it. Like just talk Bears, talk football, whatever comes up. And we started the pre-show today. And it, it just kind of we ended up talking about season tickets because Juice is a season ticket holder. And we ended up in this conversation that I thought was really interesting. And we decided we wanted to bring it onto the podcast and open with it. So we'll just get started juice. I mean, as a season ticket holder, what's, what's, what's happening with the new stadium? Like, how is that going to work? The transfer? Is there a transfer? What what are you guys looking at? So mind you too, Q it's, it's a state of confusion too, as a season ticket holder right now, there's just not a lot of, information out in the field right now on when they're going to build, where they're going to build, what they're going to do, you know, with the stadium. And and I think it's been almost kind of interesting how quiet a lot of that has been, you know, since the start of the season, you know, we had a lot of back and forth within, you know, certain towns, you know, putting in their bids per se, their, their requests to have soldier field or new soldier field, you know, inside of their town and, and be a beneficiary of it. But yeah, there's just not a lot of information that they've given us. So it's left a lot of speculation. And I think that's what makes this conversation so interesting. And and kind of, I think in terms of a season ticket holder, we've just been speculating on what we're going to be able to do. And as, as a season ticket holder, I haven't, been given any information regarding you know what what tickets are going to look like what sections are going to look obviously those plans aren't aren't there yet but speculation wise it's going to be interesting to see a how they build this thing and when they do build this thing if they do use the backs of the season ticket holders as part of a payment or or as part of a, a revenue stream for them to do this because you know we were talking off air about you know, PSLs, that's the licensing of your seat. And a lot of these guys at Soldier Field over the course of the years that have been around us have licensed their seats. And and what that means is they purchase those four seats as their own license. Those are their seats. They technically own the seat within Soldier Field. So a lot of the events that they have, a lot of the things that they do within, you know, Soldier Field in general, concerts, you know, soccer games, things like that, you have that ability to use your seat as your own for these events. And we haven't done it. Um, I'll say as, as a season ticket holder, we've dreaded doing it because it's expensive. It's thousands upon thousands of dollars. I think at one point it was 10 grand a seat. I think that's still that, but that's an opportunity I think for the bears to do this through their season ticket holders and then create a revenue stream to where, they're going to have a little bit of this money to play with. And and that's what's scary about it because in this market where they're going to need as much help as they, they can to get this stadium off of the ground, because let's face it, you know, the McCaskies are a very wealthy family, but they're not cash wealthy. They have a lot of value within the bears that is built into their wealth. So it just brings up this question of like, what, what's coming down the pipeline around a team that you really don't know what's coming down the pipeline, even for the team as well. There's a lot of question marks on you know, who the quarterback's going to be, who the GM's going to be, who that coach is going to be. And and I think too, like this, this game had so much parallel because like we said in our pre-show here, it's the house that Kevin Warren built up there. The bears went up there and won. And now you start to wonder like, what, what does this organization look like? What is the plan for, you know, the, the stadium look like and, and what what moves the Bears past this? You know, Martellus Bennett had that thread a couple weeks ago where it's mom and pop shop and it's it's built on history. What moves them past here and into the future and being a team that in the NFL, in, in an NFL franchise that almost sets, I would say sets new norms within the NFL business and maybe even with NFL teams as well and schemes and things like that, the Bears just, at the end of the day, they need to be more creative. And I think we saw it last night. And I think we're seeing that on both sides, business and football. 
I think that's a really interesting thing to say too uh, about setting standards off the field and on the field. Like when I hear that, I think of the Patriots, right? I think of Robert Kraft I think of Belichick, and the things that they did in New England. I feel like they were always pushing the edge of things, and that that's something that is probably fostered. It's not something that just pops up overnight. It's something that, you know, you need to build within your organization. It's something the bears don't really have. Now, another thing that we talked a little about, and we, we want to kind of tread carefully on, on this a little bit because we don't want to, you know, be crude about it, but Virginia is what a hundred now. 100. Yeah. Around there. And with all this, this going on, this these financial transactions, the the financing of the stadium. Like, if she were to pass during pass away potentially during that, how do you think that impacts the Bears' future and, and their ownership outlook? I think it's two ways at that point. I think you got to look. You know, if, if they're going to build, if they're going to build this, I think a lot of this timeline makes a lot of sense too. You know, and and I don't mean to be you know, the person who sits here and says, yeah, I want, I want Virginia to die. I don't. I, no. I yeah. That's not what we're that's, saying. <laughs> that's not what we're saying at all. I, what I'm saying is, is that like, yeah, she's getting older. And and now the question I think needs to be, you know, thrown in to the question between bears fans that are, are the kids and the family underneath it doing it because they love it. Or are they doing it because she loves it? I think that's, if I could get George McCaskey, just the true serum, you know, you're just sitting having a conversation off the record. It'd be the one question that I've wanted to ask him for like 10 years now. Do you really love the Bears or do you love it because it's your family history? It's your family legacy. You know, I mean, I came from a banking family. I didn't go into banking because I, I didn't like it. But let's face it, like George and, and the brothers and the family has been thrown into this business. Maybe this is not what George wants to do. Maybe this is something that, you know, the kids down the line don't want. And we talked about this off air too. There's a lot of, of the grandchildren that I've heard nothing, but they don't want it. They don't want to deal with splitting this 18 to 20 ways and who's in charge and who's not in charge. Cause they've, they've seen some things happen with the brothers too, that have, you know, riddled their family and pulled their family apart in ways. You know, it's, some it, of them might even be old enough to have seen uh, Muggs family get 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 torn off the McCa- the McCaskies, like the not not even on talking terms, by my understanding of it. Like the, there were lawsuits and battles back in the '90s for shares of ownership after Muggs passed away. Like it got ugly. Yeah, and it's. I think, I think too, like it just ties into the NFL as well, too. We're watching the product these days, and and let's face it, like there's some good teams out there, but there's a lot of really bad teams, a lot of middle teams. I mean, there's maybe, I think this is one of the only years where maybe we can say there's four teams that could legitimately, you know, win the Super Bowl, and maybe only two. There's yeah, there's a good argument to make that, you know, there's only two teams that legitimately you know, our, our Super Bowl contenders that you would trust and put money on to get to the end of it. The product is going a different way and it's not going in a good way. It's the NFL product in general. And there's, there's debates. This could be a whole podcast worth of talk here where we talk about why we've gotten to the point that we've gotten here. You can go from rules. You can go to, you know, kids not staying in college as long. You can go to, you know, schemes and, and practice regulation. Yeah lack of practice, you know, the, the game changing in a lot of ways too. Like we said, the rules, this may be the best opportunity for a a family that made their, you know, wealth off of the bears to exit stage, right. and, And take their wealth home and reinvest it in something that maybe they want to, you know, believe in more, you know, something that, you know, is maybe their fire project. Cause I think, I don't know. I, <laughs> I know Virginia McCaskey loves the bears. Yeah. And that's, that's no question about it, but like you watch George and you watch him run this team. And it just seems like and we talked about this off air. He just seems like the guy that wants to just 
be on the side of this whole thing, not run it, not be a part of it. And I don't mean to throw stones at, at him. That's who he is. But, like, look around the league. The Crafts are very involved with owning the Patriots, and they were so successful for so long. It means something when the owner steps to the plate and, and cares and is confident enough to be in that room, right? Like, I always think, too, about, you know, this past couple of weeks, you talk about Tom Ricketts and, and, and Jed Hoyer and them, you know, going and getting Craig Council and the, the idea of like, hey, let's keep this within, you know, a very tight knit part of the family. And let's, you know, and, and they had all the support from Tom, whatever they needed. And now they're going to go after Shohei Otani. And I know for a fact that Ricketts will be in that meeting. Yeah. Can you say that about George? I, I don't think so. I don't think you could say that George to day to day walks in like to a free agent, you know, negotiation says I'm George McCaskey. Like I would love for you to be a bear. Like, you know, yeah. but that goes a long way to a player, you know? And that's why, like I sit here and last night's win. It's great. Good for Eberflus finally getting off the snide and winning. But like, there's so much, I think untalked about circumstance around this team that's getting like just shuffled underneath the rug because the main questions are, oh, they're going to keep Justin Fields. Who are they going to take with all these picks? But at the end of the day, like this is a turning point in the franchise. This is a moment where you're going to have a new stadium. You could potentially, with the way that NFL is going and the way the stadium is going to cost, have a new ownership group. You know, there's it's a historic franchise that I I just wonder, like, is it historic to the kids? Is it historic to to George and the family as much as it's historic to Virginia? And like those, that's the question that like. I hope Bears fans too, underneath all these questions, are asking the same thing because we're we're going towards, in my opinion, a change. I think we are because we were talking about it. I I truly think that there's times to sell, and you could really make the argument that this is the best time to sell for McCaskey. Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing that you you said that really kind of perked my ears up there was about. Um, the grandkids, right? Because I, I, I'm, I've always been a believer that you know, George and Michael and and the Virginia's kids, they're going to hang on to the team as long as they can. It's always been kind of my understanding of it. And they have you know a succession plan on file with the NFL, and I, I thoroughly believe the NFL is going to do everything in their power to make sure the McCaskies hold on to the Bears as long as they want to, because they're the charter franchise. They're a massive part of NFL history and just the NFL fan base. So I think that they're going to do everything to step that they can to step in in any way to make sure everything goes right for them. But the grandkids, that's where I do start to wonder a lot because it's like, like you said, they've seen some of the division that can come from this and the the hassle that it is to own one eighteenth of this massive franchise and to be appointing someone leader. And then the, the musical chairs of who's leading it and all of that, that, that all, it just, it gets really interesting at that point to me of like, you know, when do we see that change come in now when you're talking about George, like, I mean, I've, I, I feel like I've been pounding the table for a year or two about like, what is, what is, what does George love more the Chicago bears or football? Because loving the Chicago bears is different than loving football. And you need someone in that seat who loves football and the owner, like, like you said, an owner, like in the meetings, having an owner who will put themselves on the line publicly and privately, both goes a long way. I believe. I mean, you, you look at the Cowboys, Jerry Jones is constantly putting himself on the line in every way possible. You know, you, you look at the successful franchise around the NFL that their owners are not afraid to take action now, that doesn't mean that they're eager to take action. That's how you end up like the Panthers. But they're not afraid to take action when they think action needs to be taken. And that, that's that's how it feels like it is with George sometimes to me. Um, now, on the uh, one other thing that I thought was interesting that we discussed was on the PSLs, you mentioned that, you know, you can they give you the right to buy a seat in any event. Right. So it's like. So you're paying what for a new stadium you're paying say $20,000 for this PSL for one seat. And how is that like 
how is that lucrative? Because you're still buying the you're still buying the tickets to the events. You want to go see Taylor Swift at that field. You still got to buy the Taylor Swift ticket, right? Yeah, I think in terms of that, it just it's a way to keep it within the family too. Because if my my tickets just all things are, are in my dad's name. My father is still alive. Uh, and we split them with me and my brother-in-law. If my father were to pass away, we would lose our tickets. Those are, because they're PSL, they can be handed down through generations and there can be co-signers. And, and that's what I think becomes the advantage to PSLing your seats and licensing them because they can stay within the family for generations upon generations. But yeah, you're still buying, you know, if, if you were, you know, Taylor Swift is a great example because Soldier Field was, I mean, it was two grand a ticket for for some of the seats that I sit in. And and it's interesting to sit, you know, in this this realm right now and be like, yeah, we, we weren't PSL. So I didn't have, you know, an option to get to that. Um, I had to buy in the secondary market. So, but yeah, you do get the opportunity to buy things at face value, which kind of helps. I mean, let's, let's face it, you see the secondary market on tickets and Depending on the event, it could be something that's, you know, very expensive. But I think, too, like, like you, and there's there's a wrinkle of this that I, I as we were talking, I, I you know, remembered that Tim Ryan is also a minority owner of this team. He owns 17.7% of the Bears. And he's a billionaire. He's a guy who, you know, has, you know, worked his way as an American businessman and has the backing and has the capital. I wonder what his role in all of this is and what he foresees. Does he love it? You know, is this something that, you know, if the McCaskies were to want to get out of this, would he pony up to get in it? Or is he just a guy who, you know, wants to make his money off of it and then exit stage, you know, left as well? Like this is, there's a lot of different moving parts to this. Obviously the McCaskies own the majority of it, but it's just interesting to sit here and be like, yeah, we're not even talking about, you know, the Ryan family and what they can bring yeah. to this. And, and that's, that's a huge name within the city of Chicago. I believe I've read in the past that uh, Tim Ryan, cause he he's, he's like 90 by now. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but I believe I've read before that he, him and his two sons are like in, in a good spot where if they, if, if they were given the opportunity to buy the bears, they would do it. And the sons would kind of run the operation. I could now I'd need to double check what I read and you know where I read it and what the sources were, but I, I believe that I've read that before. And that, um, really, because I think his sons are around like 50 maybe, yeah. And they're and I believe they're all big Bears fans. And you know, I mean, really, you're looking at that if if it's the grandkid, grandkid way, you only need three grandkids if it's 118, right. right. He's already got 18%. I mean, or maybe more than three, maybe it's like five, but he, he doesn't need a ton. Like he doesn't need, he only needs enough to get majority. So that that's interesting. Um, yeah. It's just, it, there's so many moving parts to this that I, <laughs> and, and Ryan's, I mean, we're talking about 10 billion in net worth in the Ryan family. It's, it's no, it's no chump change. I mean, he could do it if he wanted to do it. Just a matter of two of I, I can imagine being in those meetings and it's got to be an awkward place to be around, even for the ownership group, right? Because yeah. the McCaskies own a lot of it and the Ryans probably want more say in it, but they can't. You know, they're kind of pigeonholed into what the McCaskies want to do until Virginia is no longer with us. So it's interesting to sit here and be like, I wonder, you know, how that all plays out. Even it could get ugly upon her her passing it's yeah. it's really interesting to to play this devil ad, devil's advocate of like if this happens and this you know comes up for for grabs and and it's it's interesting man i i think i wish that we had more information because i think that i think that there is probably a lot of jostling going around i know that you know in terms of like the tax codes and things like that it was a lot of it was done the wrong way prior to Kevin Warren getting here. So now they're scrambling, you know, to, to evaluate things at a, at a better tax rate for them in, in, in terms of Arlington Heights. So there's a lot of probably, you know, political elbowing yeah. going around. That's just, that, that's just buying property in Cook County. 
Right. Yeah. yeah that's, well, that's that's buying property anywhere when you're building, you know, a stadium at the at the luxury. Yeah. That you, there's nobody who wants to be at that table that says you were the one who got shafted. Right. That's the. Yeah. But it's funny to sit and be like, man, like they they totally did this all out of order. Like they bought that land, and now they're going back on the fact of like this isn't valued at this. No, all of that should have been figured out prior to you know, signing on the dotted line that Arlington Heights was going to be the thing. And I think that's what's holding this up in terms of, I think the bears would, would rather have start, not maybe not started building yet, but at least handed out contracts to, you know, these construction companies to start bidding on who's going to get the job. And I think that yeah. that's where I thought we would be now after, you know, them buying Arlington, but now like with them going back on this, it, it becomes a waiting game, I think. And, and now you start to wonder, like, how long can you wait? You know? Yeah. How I mean, it's – I think we've been talking in the past about, like, 2025 as, you know, ideally that, that's that's the new stadium date. That's when that, that's when it could make financial sense to get out of Soldier Field and move into a new stadium. And we're – they haven't broken ground yet. You know? It's, it's almost 2024. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know – at least, at least I do. I don't know if you do, but I know how long it takes to get permits to get, you know, the the construction bidding, you know, the the bidding process with people submitting, you know, their bids for the work and to get that. It's it's interesting to say, you know, like, yeah, and and Ja Johnson, yeah, let's let's get a new LC too. But and we're going to get to that in just a second. But I just think that it's it's interesting to sit here like today and be like, man, like we're, they're going to be up against the timeline if they want to look at 25. I I think now we're, we're at a dangerous point to where like they have to get something done soon because the building process is not quick on something that large. It's just not. Maybe they just don't want to break ground till they have a new OC and a new QB. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) then that's the other thing of it. That's the other half of it. Like they ideally to maximize your revenue going into that stadium, you want to have a good football team on on the field and you start to wonder, you know, will that even happen at that point, you know, considering where they're at, you know, and, and, you know, the success that they've had with, you know, drafting quarterbacks and picking head coaches and offensive coordinators. And, you know, it's, it's just funny to sit here today and, and and be like, yeah, are they going to keep Justin Fields? Yeah. That's the argument, but there's so much culture on the back end of this that I think is either built or lost based on how this stadium project has gone. And I'm glad we got a second to just talk about it because it's it's been something that's eaten at me and and somebody who, you know, has sat, you know, as a season ticket holder in Soldier Field for 22 years now with my dad. It's one of those things that like it's weighing on our, us as season ticket holders too because not only is the team not good and you start to wonder, you know, do you want to keep these, but you know, when, when, when's the, the light in the tunnel on the new place too? Cause you go to soldier field and let's face it. Like it is dated. It's there's parts of soldier field that weren't done right. There's a lack of bathrooms in the 300 level. You know, there's, there's a lack of, of a lot of things around there. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, what happens, you know, down the, down the run here. So, quick note from our friend Scott from Iowa: four and four the last eight games for the Bears, and then uh, friend of the show, Ja Johnson. No QB drafted or in the league would be successful while throwing eighty percent screens. So, I think this is a sign that we we should probably get to the game. Yeah, yeah, game. yeah. We we should after twenty four minutes of, of talking <laughs> stadium. Uh, it'd be interesting to see. Wait, you know, here you go. Uh, here, here's a, a season ticket question from Scott. As a season ticket holder, is there a location they could move to that would want to give up your season tickets? Uh, location as of like a different section with, oh, like a location where the stadium like a city, would be. I think. Yeah. Uh, no, as somebody who lives in the South Suburbs, getting to Soldier Field uh, and getting to Arlington Heights for me is going to be the same. Uh, getting to Naperville probably a little closer. Um, if they go all the way up to like Lake Forest area, yeah, count me out. Um, 
but I don't, I don't foresee that. I, I, they, they obviously have, you know, the, the, the Walter Payton practice facility there, but I mean, there's not, I don't think that they're, they're going to look in the Southwest suburbs. I think you go get away from the taxes and move to Michigan city, Indiana, personally. I would love it. That's that's a quick forty minutes from from me this way. You know that's it's it's not a it's not a far trek. Uh, but I mean, let's face it, man. Like the Bears have moved so the Bears are the Chicago Bears, but let's face it, man. They've had plenty of different cities within their their franchise history. You know, it's not yeah the Chicago. Yeah, they've been here for a while, but let's face it, like they 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 were the Decatur Staleys. You know, that's mm-hmm. that was the beginning of this whole thing. And it's not like so like most most of the Bears history happened at Wrigley Field. Right. Like, let's be be honest about that. Like, I mean, outside of 85, Soldier Field doesn't have a whole lot of like great memories. In no, it, you no know? I, honestly, it's a lot of bad memories. I think it, yeah. when I think of Soldier Field in my lifetime, I think of Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and, you know, honestly, like the double doink, like there's just not – the best memory I have is, you know, sitting at the NFC championship game against the saints. And and that was amazing, but we're talking about one game out of probably a hundred that I've seen that the other 90 some or, or 80 some have been just what we saw this week. <laughs> yeah. And then John Johnson had one more comment. Luke Getzey is just a bozo. I think we can all pretty much agree on that at this point. But we'll, we'll get to it a little more later on in the show, too. We have we have a topic about that. But so what do we have next on the slate here, Juice? Yeah, no, just uh, well, give me a second to, to pull in here. But, I mean, it's – it's uh, we did State of the Bears. So I think that's the segue we get into this here, Q. We talk about, you know, the State of the Bears moves into the State of the Offense here. And and who's to blame? I think I think John Johnson brings up a an interesting comment for us to start off and saying Luke Getzey's a bozo. Um, yeah, no no quarterback drafted or, or or in the league would be successful with throwing eighty screens. But then again, like I think the question starts as Q. I want to ask you who's more at fault here? Is is he calling things this way because he does not trust Justin Fields to use the middle of the field or? is this Luke Getzey's style of play calling and, you know, he's more or less trying to protect Justin because, you know, he, he can't do it. So a few thoughts on that. Like, so first of all, I noticed I I was watching through the Detroit all 22 yesterday and today, and I noticed a lot of RSOs that that's a run screen option, right? So it's the, the quarterback has, the, the handoff, the mesh point handoff, where he can hand it to the running back, he can pull it and throw the screen right down the. So he has he, he's he's making a pre-snap read of saying, either I'm doing the run or I'm doing the screen based on the numbers I'm seeing, and then the Bears are also adding a read option onto that. So if he's if he decides okay the screen's not there, this is a run. Now he's reading a a, a conflict defender as to saying, am I, am I pulling it and running or am I handing off? And I think that the bears have started to lean a lot into that against the Vikings. At least that's my suspicion until I get the all 22. I won't be sure about that, but based on how many screens there were, that's what I'm thinking you saw. And I'm almost wondering if it was really muddied up fronts where fields wasn't getting clean reads on the line of scrimmage, but that, but the Vikings kept giving them the screen option and he just kept taking the screen option. Now, like I said, I need to see the all 22 to be sure of that. But outside of that, like, you're right. There's a clear desire to avoid the middle of the field right now. Like, that is not something that they seem comfortable doing. And it's it's a little peculiar to me because it's Fields doesn't like to use the middle of the field. This is something that we've seen in, in his his rookie year, his second season, and now it seems like he's gotten worse every season. So it, it almost makes me wonder just a little bit, is this Getsy's like solution to saying, you don't want to use the middle of the field? Fine, this is what we're doing. You know, like that's that's almost how it feels to me. But it doesn't make Getsy right. 
you know, it doesn't mean it's the right way to handle or the right game plan, but I do think there is, there might be a little more to it as far as like what Fields is willing to do out there, what throw he's willing to make. I mean, the first six weeks of this season, uh, a friend of the show, Robert Schmitz, pointed this out to me. They were running double slants all the time, and they threw it twice. Like they have, Fields just wasn't throwing it. And at that point, that that that's where I get to this point where I'm wondering, is this just Getsy's solution to saying like with, with tongue in cheek, like fine, this is what you want, this is what we'll do. Yeah, I'm. Q, are the Bears making the playoffs? <laughs> let, let me. I mean, let me ask you: Are they making the playoffs? Well, they might be in the hunt. Oh well, yeah, they're, they're going to be on the graphic, which is great. Because I, I love when they're on the graphic. That's, so do I. And honestly, the McCaskies probably love when they're on the graphic. That's like totally. And 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 Jai answers my question. No. So who cares at this point? Let take the governor <laughs> off and let this kid just yeah. sink or swim. Because what do these last games matter? And I think that's what kind of pisses me off the most is I would rather go down fighting than than go down, you know, just taking blows to the head. And I, I yeah. feel like the coaching staff and Justin, if they have this game plan, this is exactly how the, they're just going to go down taking blows to the head. At least try, you know. Just, and if he gets the, his brain beat in, then you're going to draft another quarterback anyway. I hate to say it that way, but at the end of the day, like let's just try. I, what's, yeah. What's the point in in, in sitting and, and calling this type of game? And two, maybe you try and you learn something. May, yeah. it's you're you're un, you don't unlock anything by playing safe you just don't out of the quarterback position you, you don't yeah again here i mean ja johnson with a good point i think with the new coaching staff they win more i i agree i think this team is more talented than what they've done i mean i think it's pretty obvious they're like you had almost guaranteed wins in two different games against the lions and against the broncos that you lost like what what's their record now so they're what four and eight instead you're sitting at six and six yeah I mean, that's a huge difference like especially that, that in this right? league when it's so average and when you you're know? blowing leads like that coaching is playing a factor like it just is and to to your point about like why not take the governor off one thing i think really anyone watching the bears offense the rest of the season keep this in mind Luke Getze is coaching in a way that he can justify to employers next year. Sure. He can look at it and say, well, yeah, my quarterback wouldn't do this. So what do you want? Like, what do you expect me to do? He wouldn't do this. I had to find a way to move the football. That's yeah. That's what I think we're seeing. Did And, and you, you would know more about this and in terms of like the history of like from coaches going from being an offensive coordinator to trying to find another job. Do you think that like any of that play calling negates him finding a job as a quarterbacks coach anywhere? Because let's face it, like if he's fired from this, he's probably not getting another offensive coordinator job unless someone truly like looks at him and and, and thinks he's you know the next you know great play caller. But like I, I just don't see where him calling the game a certain way really impacts if he's going to find a job or not. I, I, I think he's more well-respected around the league to where if he hits, he's going to find somewhere to be. And and it may not be at a tier that he's at right now as offensive coordinator, but maybe he gets into a set like where Matt Nagy, you know, gets in as a quarterback's coach and then within a year can work himself back into calling plays again. I, I just don't see how like calling the game any differently justifies it any better to anybody else because anybody who watches – a t- watches the game, if he were to open it up and Justin's thrown around the middle of the field and he's throwing picks, would go, well, at least they're throwing con- throwing concepts out there that matter. You know, yeah. it's it's those types of things that, like, if I'm Getsy, I'm like, I'm just going to call it the way that I think an offense should look. And then after that, you know, I'm going to try to, you know, yeah, and, and Maggie obviously destroying a Chiefs offense. But with that said, I'm just calling it, in a way that I want offense to look and going, listen, this is what I want it to look like, but my quarterback couldn't do it. I'm not yeah. coaching it 
in a way that I feel I'm only coaching to what he can do. Because in the end, what what they did on you know yesterday night to me just made Getsy look bad. I don't think it made Justin look bad. I think it you made Getsy look horrible. They won. And yeah, in the words of Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. Just win, I think baby. that's something else to keep in mind here. Football coaches are wired different. Football players are wired different. These, like You ask any coach on this staff, they very well might tell you, yeah, we're going to win every game the rest of the way. What else? Like, what? It's our only option. Of course it's what we're going to do. Like that's So there's also that aspect of it that they're going to coach to win, I think. And it's – I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. I do think Getze is more to blame than Fields with this stuff. Much more to blame. But I'm just trying to put it in put put the the glasses on and see it through their eyes of like why would they be doing this? You know, that I I like to operate under the assumption that people are reasonable. And like when stuff stops looking reasonable, I like to change my outlook a little bit and try to understand it. Yeah, I I love this comment right here from Brad. Won't happen, but fire Getsy this bye week. Get a new play caller the rest of the season to see if JF1 thrives more. You want to go back to talking about organizational with organizational <laughs> change. The problem yeah. with this comment is that the Bears hire one idiot, and I tweeted this out the other day while I was watching the game. The Bears hire one idiot. That one idiot hires all his friends who are idiots, and then there's nobody to fill the gap. If you look through – this Bears staff, I I find it very difficult to find one coach, and maybe I'm wrong, that an NFL team would look at and go, yeah, we need him on our staff. There's just not a lot. Of, there's just no depth. You yeah, want to talk Genoco, about – I think Janoko came highly regarded, but that was it. Yeah, I mean, there's that's how you win, right? You bring smart people who challenge other smart people in the roles that matter. But the problem is, is that there's nobody to challenge Eberflus. There's nobody to challenge Getsy. These guys are happy. To me, these these two are happy to have well, their own jobs. Come that, to that's think just of my it, opinion. I think, I think the O-line coach, Chris Morgan, has had some pretty, pretty solid tenures as well and is pretty respected. But if I'm being honest, Getsy – Gets he's pretty good in the run game. Yeah. Like he gets too cute and he tries to do stupid things sometimes, but all in all, he understands the run game pretty well and he designs it up pretty well. And to me, that's something an O line coach vibes pretty well with. <laughs> like that's something sure. that, that's not that's not the guy challenging you. It's where's the wide receiver coach challenging him? Where's the and there are times where I, I wish the O line coach was challenging him more when he wants to line up. Darnell right next to Braxton Jones on the left side and have them pull over to the right while the run's going to the left. And I'm just like, what are we doing? And then you do it on play action and there's an unblocked defensive end coming straight at the quarterback. It's like, what are we doing here? You just want to put your, your head in your hands and cry because it's like, that is the most illogical thing I've ever seen because if you don't trick them, you're screwed. (laughs) That's my funniest part of watching Q school is, is to sit there and go, Anytime that JT goes, nobody in the NFL does this. Why are they doing this? And it's my drinking game. I'll sit down with a beer. I'll watch the the all twenty two of them. It's that's my drinking game. And you know what? Good luck. Buy a six pack at least because you can get through a couple beers before you know you're done with the video. And he's said it ten to twelve times. It's those are the things that are frustrating. And even last night, man, like there's a lot of people who are sitting on Twitter who analyzed the game a lot deeper than me going, what the hell are they doing here? It, it just, it, <laughs> what, what was the plan? Like it's, and I don't know, man, it's, it's funny to sit here as a Bears fan because we could laugh about it. Cause I think now we've just been beaten into the ground yeah. and we just don't have if you, feelings. If you can't laugh, you have nothing. Yeah. And, and now I sit and I try to like, at, like last night, it was truly, yeah, they won, but how was I supposed to feel at the end of that? Like that's, that feels like every Bears win that they've had over the course of the last three years. It's like, yeah, they won, but it's is it supposed to feel this bad? Like it's, it's oh, like no. every Bears Vikings Monday Night Football game I've ever watched in my hundred percent. Usually it's usually it's Kirk throwing you the ball or something, but now it was it was the uh, 
Charlie Villanueva, as they call him on, on, the, on the streets. <laughs> but no, man, like I, I think that I, I just want to see if Justin could run a pro style offense that isn't like check down here, screen here. And if he can't do it, at least we know he can't do it. And we, we will yeah. feel comfortable going, yeah, maybe we're picking Drake May or, or Caleb Williams. I think some of the uh, some of the disconnect between some fans out there uh, with that specifically that that concept is there were definitely windows of pro style quarterbacking that was asked of Justin this year, sure, and they did not look good like that. So that's the the disc, the belief that that existed, that that happened and that it was the problem that fields wasn't the solution. He was the problem in those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's gray area with any of it, but some of the, like if you go watch the JTO Sullivan breakdowns from week one, week two, week three, like you, you start to really see it. In, in those moments, like I think that Getsy at points in those games said, okay, we just need something. So he starts th- throwing the bullshit out there, you know, but like there was some effort to make that happen and it didn't work then. Does that mean it won't work now? Not at all, but it makes you worry about it a little more. It makes, it makes the coordinators, I think, jump away from it quicker because they don't trust it. And there's not a lot to lose at this point in the season, but again, these guys are justifying that they were not purposely losing games. They were not doing dumb crap. They were doing everything they could to win a football game. Yeah. And that's their job. And that's at the end of the day, that's what they're going to be evaluated on if they keep their jobs. Um, let's move on to the defense here though. Q. I think, uh, I think we kind of talked about the state of how bad that was to watch yesterday <laughs> on the offense. And now we can maybe move into you know, some good. And that's, that's the fact that, you know, this franchise who has kind of riddled themselves on, on good defense for their whole historical tenure um, is starting to play some pretty good defense. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the guys that you saw last night, but also like, are we watching good offense or good defense right now? Or is this just a product of, of the schedule? And I know you said off air that, you know, they were really good against, you know, Detroit until they weren't. And yeah, my question to you is, is, is this a little bit of both or are we seeing, you know, them, them build some things out here that is sustainable for the long run. I mean, I do think they're doing some fun things on defense and some like structurally, they are changing some stuff up to make it tougher on quarterbacks. And really, I, I think adding Montez sweat, the bears were getting up there to a 30% blitz rate without him like the first four weeks they weren't blitzing and they weren't getting any pressure then the weeks five through eight they were blitzing pretty heavily and they still were just getting a little bit more pressured but still not enough now they're they've met in the middle where they're blitzing some nowhere near the 30 percent that they hit in weeks five through eight and nowhere near as low as the first four weeks like right in the middle there but they are getting way more pressure than they were before and what that means is when there's no pressure and a lot of guys in coverage, the quarterback can wait for a mistake, you know, and no one can cover for five seconds, six seconds. That's a lot of time to ask anyone to cover. Now, when you're blitzing, you do that because you can't cover for five or six seconds. You got to do something. You got to change something. So now you're taking away a defender. So everyone has to cover a larger amount of area. And that makes the, the holes wider and easier to manipulate getting Montez sweat has allowed them to, to keep that the full coverage unit out there and still get pressure. And I think that's really gone a long way to helping this, but against Detroit, they were really good until they weren't. I think that this type of defense gets a little, it's antiquated. I, I just do like you look at, you look at the Buffalo bills the Buffalo Bills are the perfect example for this, in my opinion. Extremely talented defense. They're really good statistically. 
consistently good. But in big moments, look at last week when they were playing the Eagles. Fourth quarter, they couldn't get a stop for their life. It's been their story in the playoffs the past two, three years. They're, they're uh, this, this statistical defense that is so good, top five every year, but they can't get the stop when they need it. There, it's it's this this type of scheme, this very conservative nature of the defense, the cover three, cover two guys, who it just these quarterbacks have been playing against it their whole life. They know it. That they, they can they can do it in their sleep. They they know the checks. They know where to go. They know what might be open. When to take a risk. Like, and when you're getting conservative down the stretch with it. You're putting out defenses that they can do that they know how to beat, and they're not surprised to see because it's what you do every single week. Like in the fourth quarter, this is the defense you run. This is your go-to. Steve Spagnola, he leans into the chaos in the fourth quarter, for better or worse. But against these defenses, they they run away from the chaos, and it's like it just ends up not getting beat. And that was that's why I saw two teams last night defensively obviously the bears created more turnovers but i don't know tell me if i'm wrong q is that viking defense as as a football guy somebody who likes watching football more fun to watch i love watching them blitz man it's the the he's a genius i love that and and that's why like man i'm like i don't get me wrong we've watched a lot of tampa too in our life being a bears fan it's just what we've done and we know it and we've, we, we know it can be successful, but like you said, how fun is that, man? When you, you drop, when you're putting them all in the box there and confusing yeah. the quarterback and, and putting hits on Justin Fields and making his internal clock turn. And like, I love what they're doing. The bears are with getting pressure, you know, with the four down linemen. It's great. That's, that's how that system works. But there's a lot of things that like about that Viking defense where I'm like, man, like I, I wish Fluce was doing, you know, some yeah. of that, some of that stuff. And that scheme was more like ours. I don't know. It's just, it's fun to me, man. It was so it was fun to, to watch. Uh, we got a comment here from Brad Mason. It's non-traditional, but do you see a scenario where Fluce stays as the DC, even though a new coach would want his guy? And then he says, if the D keeps playing like this, why not keep the consistency? Brad, my counter to that would be, do you really want to measure a defense by how they beat up on Josh Dobbs, how they beat up on, you know, Brian Hoyer, or do you want to judge them on how they beat Russell Wilson and Jared Goff? Cause Russell Wilson and Jared Goff chewed this defense up late in the game mm-hmm. after the defense did look solid to start the game. And the only teams that they've really done it for four quarters against were starting backup caliber quarterbacks. Like the list of teams that this defense had, or that that this team that the Eberflus Bears have beaten, what is it? It's Trey Lance, it's um, now Josh Dobbs, who else? Uh, Brian Hoyer. Who else did we beat this year? Uh, who did they? Brian Hoyer and Aiden. Oh, oh, uh, Bryce Young. Yeah, Bryce Young. Who has not looked good? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's two. What two more? Because they've won seven games. No, so that's a yes. Yeah, so that's five. So there's two more. Two other. Who they beat last year? It was backup oh, quarterbacks. Yeah. It was backup oh. caliber quarterbacks. The only teams that they've really done it consistently against Sam Howell. Backup Sam Howell. Yeah, it's just it's not a pretty list. Thank you, Ronald. Yeah, there we go. So yeah. really that that's where I end up sitting with it is like I need to see them put together four quarters against a good not even good a capable starting NFL quarterback before I'm willing to say you know maybe Eberflus should stick around cuz this defense is playing so well. And Q, before I'm willing the, to consider that. You know what the problem with that is too is I don't think that you're going to see that for the rest of the season because I mean, maybe you get a good test against Jared Goff, but then again, like Jared Goff is, he's been good this year, but he's Jared Goff. I mean, he's not, he's not the top of the top of the top in terms of, yeah. you know, talent that's, but then when, it's, 
once you can start being the capable quarterbacks, then I need to see you beat good quarterbacks. Yeah, right. like yeah, <laughs> that's a, then, there's a progression. I mean, the Browns is going to be a backup. You're looking at you know the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, Murray maybe, but even he's going to throw you the football. You know, the Falcons with with uh, uh, Desmond Ritter, Desmond Ritter, um, and then I mean, you're going to get Jordan Love, who he's played. He's been an up and down type of quarterback this year. A lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of rookie. And I, I don't know if you're going to be able to evaluate that by the end of the year and say, you know, legitimately with those list of quarterbacks that you feel confident that they're going to continue to run this system against, you know, capable and then good. And ultimately, I think what you're seeing here, you're seeing good drafting and talent acquisition come to fruition. I think sure. there's a lot of D coordinators who could be having great success with this defense in the same kind of light. Like um, Ajiro Evero, he's probably not going to be with the Panthers next year. I would love if you went and got a guy like that. Or say that the Saints missed the playoffs and they want to change. You have a chance to go get Dennis Allen to run this defense. I am here for that. Like there are going to be names available, I hope. Like Dennis Allen might be a bit more of a pipe dream. But um, I think I think Evero is going to be a guy who you're going to have a chance to go bring on to your team. I think that is about as good a name as you, you can find. Yeah, and I think too, like I mean, just if you're, I don't think Fluce is even going to entertain that to move to defensive coordinator, even if that were the case. But too, if you're getting too, if you're getting a new head coach, it's we're probably going back the other way towards an offensive style head coach to go maybe with a rookie quarterback and, and you're, you're looking more maybe down the road of, of adding, you know, a defensive coordinator to where you, you don't have to worry about your good OC walking out the door and getting a job somewhere else. Obviously that's a good problem to have. We've never had that problem for the most part, but yeah, no, I, I sit here and I'm like, I, I would roll the dice thinking that they can find somebody capable with that talent on there at each and every level. I think that was uh I think it was Troy last night who said, like, this Bears defense, and you start to look up and down it, at each level has playmakers, you know, out in the secondary, mm -hmm. you know, in the middle linebacker core. And now you look, you know, with Sweat and Dexter kind of coming, you see that they have some talent at each level. It's not, it's not this problem of not being able to get to the quarterback like we had, you know, all last year. They're, they're learning. They're very de much developing in terms of where that thing's going. My dude, Jervon Dexter, is big, strong, and angry, and I love it. And Kyler Gordon is starting to look like a dude out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, and, and too, even prior to the injury, I thought Stevenson was starting to take some nice some nice jumps, too. I know that he's had that rookie kind of up and down as, as rookie quarterbacks tough, go. Yeah. It it's, is tough to be a rookie corner. But, I mean, he's learning. It seems like there's, there's a lot of times where you see it, you're like, all right, if he flashes a couple plays in a row, or you're, I get it. I get why he was, you know, so – you know, highly drafted and they, they brisker too, man, getting in there and, and, and definitely making some plays. And yeah, it's, it's just nice to see them, you know, kind of add. And now, now you talk about a, a defense that, you know, and I hate to go full bear on us here. Maybe you're not having to score as much offensively. If you can, you know, start to tailor some guys together and, and add more talent to it. Yeah. I, I want them to I, score. I, I don't points. know. But, yeah, I don't know that we can ask for fewer than 12 points. No, 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 no. <laughs> Trust me, no. <laughs> but you know what? I'm down the line here. You add, you know, some some help, and maybe you can get an offense that can score around, you know, 28 to 30. And, and you feel pretty comfortable with that that team going in yeah. each week. And, and it's – I don't know, man. To me, they can hit so easily on these picks this next year and just vault themselves into relevance yeah. in this league. And that's, that's exciting, but it's also terrifying all at once because man, if they got to, if they fail at those two, I mean, I hate to go down the line here and I know we want to kind of move on, but man, if, if they could hit, it could get a really excited here as a bears fan down the line. Yeah. I do want to highlight one guy. You said brisker. Um, Brisker looked like the guy who I thought we were getting this year last night. And I mean, I've, I've heard that he's, he's been through the ringer this year and, and I, I don't exactly know how, I don't know what, like if it's injuries or like, that he's really had been tough on him or what, but uh, I mean, I just want to give some credit to him. He, he looked awesome last night. 
Yeah, yeah, he did. And I he's gotta be battling a lot of injuries. It seems like a lot of times he almost once a game he's laying down there on the ground and, and he's coming out for a play or two. And but he's yeah, he's a tough son of a bitch, man. I, I'll give him that. He 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 gets back out there and uh he made some plays last night. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think we're gonna get towards the the final question here of the night, though, Q, before we wrap this whole thing up. And we had a we had a fun little case study, I think, uh, for our last one here. And it kind of fits, you know, where we were talking for the last couple minutes. But if you were Jordan McCaskey, I want everybody who's listening to the show right now to put their George shoes on. Doing and, doing your best George McCaskey impression. I yes, think it's the best way to phrase it. You got to do that too. And the question is, is what has to happen over the course of this last run of games? And thank God we're getting to the last run of games in Bears football here. This, I, I love the Bears, don't get me wrong, but man, this has been just a miserable year for a lot of it. What has to happen for Matt Eberflus to save his job and then on the flip side, I want you to take those George shoes off. And I want you to think, what does what has to happen for you to want him? So if I'm George and I'm fully in the George McCaskey mindset, you know, I've I, I grew up around the Bears. My grandpa was Papa Bear George Hallis, and I, you know, I've got to get this right for mom. I'm thinking, you know, if this this defense, they can be top top ten in the NFL since what since this all started to kind of turn back around. So what was that? They're 500 over the last eight. So through the final what? So how many? The final 12 games, 13 games. If they're top ten in takeaways. And they can hit. Oh, I I hate it. Seven wins, no. seven wins, and top ten in takeaways over the last thirteen games of the season. I am considering bringing Flues back. Now, me, Quentin Crisco, Buck his stats. The Bears fan. The guy win a playoff game. Yeah. I agree with that. I So mine is they have to win, I think, what do they have left? One, two, three, four, five left. They got to go two and th- – they can go two and three, but they have to beat both divisional teams they have remaining on their schedule. You got to beat the Packers. And you got to beat the Lions. That's the Lions. That would vault it into okay. Like you've won two in a row in the division, and then you know maybe you take one of those three against the Browns on the road, or you know the Cardinals or the Falcons. But they got to beat Green Bay in Green Bay to even have a chance to keep their jobs. You can't have a GM who walks in and goes. We're going to take the North and then we're never going to take it back. And then you don't win your first division game in the North for over a year and three quarters of, of your job. You just can't. And that's. You didn't say when. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> right. You didn't really give us a timeline. So, so that's George thinking, I think me, I'm out. I'm already out. I just, and, and it's not, I just feel like if you're going to if you're going to pick a new quarterback, you might as well reset the whole thing. Don't hamper him with this head coach and this OC. If you're if you're truly out on Justin Fields, which I don't know the way they called it last night and a lot of the things that are going around Hallis Hall, and if you try to read between the tea leaves, I I think that they're close to out, if not out. But if you're going to use that number one pick, if it ends up being the number one pick on the quarterback, you better start over. You better bring in a guy who can develop a quarterback on the offensive side of the football and not chance it to 
a guy that is highly sought after from a program that realistically, like, let's be honest, man. Like, I'm sure Luke gets he's a great guy. But when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, let's face it, you're you're not you're not telling him what to do. He's checking into plays. He's he's making it all happen. He's stirring that drink. And that's why, like, I sit here and I'm like, man, don't saddle a new quarterback with a hectic situation. Put them all on the same timeline. Make sure they all have, you know, skin in the game on each other. And at the end of it, all of them can't point at each other and go, well, this isn't my guy and this is his guy. And that's the problem with the Bears. Link it together and you probably have better success. That's just my two cents on I'm out. I, I don't think there's anything that they can go five and zero over the course of the night, and I would hate it because I'm not making the decision. And and there's way so, better chance, but I, I'm even just if, I'm out on Eberflus. Even if they go five and zero, get to the playoffs somehow, and get to the NFC Championship. Oh God, I'm turning the Xbox off after that, right? That's yeah. The, All right, so I, you heard it here first. Bears win the Super Bowl. Eberflus is still out. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I guess there is a route to. I just, I don't believe it. I, I just. I, oh yeah, no, it won't. I, I, mean, I, I know. I'm just, I'm just. Making no, it. I know. It's. I mean, I know that they still have to play the games. I just. We've watched too much of this shit. We know what's going to happen yeah. this next couple of weeks, and that's why. I mean, I just sit here. I, I feel bad, and and this is. I feel bad for Justin. At the end of the day, like I, I don't think. One, I root for him. He's he seems like a stand-up dude. He seems like somebody who faces the music, who wants to learn, who wants to be better. But I feel like like so many possible, you know, question marks before him in terms of development at the quarterback position, the Bears just fail at doing that. And Let's... that's why at the end of the day, like I want a new coach because I want them to identify with Kevin Warren somebody that they can trust to go. We just brought this new guy in. He's got to succeed. What do we got to do to get him there? And let's do whatever needs to be that. I don't want another situation either where Justin Fields, like, where he's being thrown in too early and he's getting his brain beat in like he did against Cleveland, you know, two years ago. That maybe that halts his development. Do it right. If it makes – if it makes it where you got to bring in a bridge quarterback and I got to suffer under a Ryan Tannehill for a year, I'll do it. If it means the light at the end of the tunnel means that we're going to have somebody like Patrick Mahomes and that's the development that needs to happen, do it that way. Because honestly, that's that's way more valuable than throwing them into the fire right away and, and seeing some mixed returns that possibly could ruin a quarterback. I think this is the, this is the best way I've found to put it. If you – like if the green Bay Packers were molded into a quarterback and you were, you were a GM of a football team and you were forced to draft that quarterback, what would you do differently than Justin Fields got in his first two years to destroy the green Bay Packers? Yeah. Throw them right into the fire. I think. I I, I mean, I, 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 there's not much that you, do differently than what the Bears did to Justin no, Fields to, no. to ruin to ruin a young quarterback. It was the textbook. Yeah, and I mean, but the it seems like the Bears do that, right? Like that's they. Oh, the Bears can, wrote the book. You you can <laughs> you can look at Mitch Trubisky almost the same parallel as you look at Justin Fields mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And and I mean, I'm not going to say that Mitch Trubisky would have been great. I don't know, mm-hmm. but maybe he's better than what he was than being just thrown in underneath a John Maybe Fox could have been Alex Smith. Care. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a million different ways to do this. And I feel like the bears need to take a different approach next time. And if it is like a K K Williams or Drake may, and I feel too, like I, I know Matt Nagy wasn't the greatest, but if you do remember like the whole plan and I've listened to, um, was it Jordan Lucas who was in the draft room there and director Josh player Lucas, yeah. Josh Lucas? He even said he's like the whole plan was to never play Justin that whole year. We wanted you know Andy Dalton to run that thing all the way in there and watch him learn. And honestly, maybe that's the way to do it. Maybe it is. I mean, so 
I don't think it's that black and white either. Like I think, cause I was a big proponent of you don't get better sitting on the bench. Like unless you have said like Aaron Rodgers completely reworked his throwing mechanics and any quarterback coach will tell you at that stage in your career, you don't mess with the waist up. So like that was a huge project that he went through. And I really don't think that sitting is just a benchmark rule of going to help anybody. I think it's it's just going to get in the way of them becoming what they're going to become more often than not. But when your team is so poorly built, playing too early, I think, can hurt. So, like, next year, I think the Bears are going to be in a really good spot to start a rookie from day one. I think the thing to do when your team meets the thresholds of good enough start them day one over and over and over because they have the infrastructure to find those answers to learn from it and succeed it's when the infrastructure to help them get those answers is not there that's where the bad habits start to creep in that's fair i actually and that's a great point that you bring up there q and that's something i hadn't thought of but you do look around the nfl i mean bryce young is a great example of it i don't know if he's going to be great but what you should have sat. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you really team have? Is missing way too you just, much. You don't have anything to work with. And that's, that's where bad habits get built. And yeah, maybe the parallels, maybe the parallels are with fields and with Mitch because the teams were so bad going into that. And yeah, you know, realistically we look back and maybe that's why it feels so close to, to home there when we watch Justin, but I, I root for Justin, man. I, I really hope he goes somewhere else and succeeds. Absolutely. And, you know the Bears can find their their way, but I don't know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna write it out yet. There's there's still games to be played, but man, it really doesn't feel like this thing is trending in the way that we're gonna see Justin Fields as the number one quarterback next year. It just really doesn't. It doesn't, but we'll be here to find out. We will be. We will be. Q, you want to wrap us up? Yeah. So thank you all for joining, listening to us would be incredible if you could go give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating on Spotify, whatever you're listening to. The algorithms use the ratings to help us go up and down the boards and show up on people's devices. So if you like the show, give us a rating. We love you for it. Thank you guys for joining us. Make sure to go check us out at ontapsportsnet.com. We've got articles about the Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, Blackhawks, and everything Chicago-related in between. We even have college football for you guys now and all sorts of other stuff. Bets on tap. We give you bets for all the sports. I mean, I mean, we know B-Don's over there doing, like, Croatian women's soccer. So <laughs> um, check us out. Make sure to check out Bears Nation, one of two podcasts in the ONTAP Sportsnet po- Podcast Network. And thank you guys for joining us. What do you say, Juice? We get out of here the only way we know how. Bear down, Q. Bear down. Bear down.